Listener Production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Today we're talking potential global trade war. Now this is all thanks to the Trump administration's tariffs that they have announced on aluminium and steel products which could potentially hurt Australia. So our government is is lobbying very hard um, to try and get exempt from these. Dr Keith, this has the potential to go really bad. Absolutely. So um, what is interesting is that Trump during his election campaign in 2016, talked about China and how China was exploiting the American free trade arrangements, etc. So um, he was very anti-Chinese, although when he actually went to China last year, he got duchess and became very polite towards China. So you're dealing already with two Trumps. One is the campaigning Trump and the other one is the Trump that gets confronted by Chinese leaders and he just melts. What he's now done is to say that he wants to impose tariffs, in other words, an extra tax on any steel coming into the United States or aluminium for that matter. It's bad news for Australia. We sell about a a third of a billion dollars worth um, to the United States, but we're not a major supplier and ironically neither is China. This is the problem which we've got, that if you look at the list of suppliers, the major ones are allies, Canada, Japan, the European Union. So why has he done it? Well, my view is that if things don't make economic sense, you always have to look at politics, because politics explains irrationality and stupidity, Um, and this is certainly the case. So Trump has got um, an election coming up in November of this year. Um, It's not an election for him personally, um, but it will be all of the lower house and one-third of the Senate. So this takes place every two years. And so one-third of the Senate stands again for election or the lower house. He wants to ensure that his candidates get elected in November. So he's back appealing to his base. So the base are the people who do not necessarily have a great interest in politics, the nuances of the difference between you know, how much steel is supplied by China as compared with Canada, just doesn't go, goes, goes well over their heads, but he's appealing to the base. So they, they read the headlines that says, you know, um, America first, essentially, we're going to make all these people like China um, pay, pay. If they want to import things into America, they have to pay. Yep. But that's not actually what's going to happen. Well, there are about 170,000 steel workers. So we're talking about the jobs of 170,000 people. Um, Whereas many other companies use steel, which is imported or made locally, um, which will then be produced for automobiles, etc. And you've got far more people who work with imported steel than actually work producing the raw steel or aluminium, if you're with me. Um, So you've got people who are producing American equipment, etc., from imported steel. Now, they may well be affected uh, if the price goes up. The, the important thing to bear in mind is that what we've got from Trump so far has been a, um, a threat to issue these tariffs, to impose extra taxes on imported steel and aluminium. No details, right? So he's just done this as off, off the top of his head thinking. He then issued a tweet saying trade wars are good and easy to win, which has sent so many commentators into a tailspin, because that is simply not true. Trade wars are not good, nor are they necessarily easy to win. And so we've got to look at the sort of the situation as to why he has done this, which is why we go back to looking at the actual impact that it'll have. Small amount of money, one cent on a can of, of soft drink, for example, 
example, it's not going to have a big impact, but it may lead on to other things, and that's what's worrying us. And first, uh, not first of all, but uh, part of this as well, a big part of it, is not popular with his own government. The Republicans are not for this, the majority of them. Um, his own chief political um, economic advisor this week has quit yep. over this. Um, his name's Gary Cohen. That's yeah. really ruffled feathers. Absolutely. So um, you've got to bear in mind that both Republicans and Democrats are split over this issue. Um, uh, the, for those who are working with trying to get hold of the um, unemployed metal workers, etc., the generally unemployed people in the United States, this works. And so that's why the Democrats are there in a sense, expressing sympathy for Trump's point of view, as well as Trump. But then, on the other hand, you've got a group of people who see themselves as globalists, who see themselves as wanting to have more international trade. And the dominant paradigm, you know, in other words, the big view that we have is that basically international trade has been of benefit to so many people over the decades, including Australia. We are heavily reliant upon international trade. We do not want to have an international trade war now um, because we have benefited so much from what is called free trade, which, by the way, is not free trade. It's not free, but it means that it's free of extra restrictions such as import taxes, etc. Um, and so Australia is very concerned about this. The problem is that it's, it's a difficult story to convey easily in the Australian media, as it is in the American media, and people just look at the headlines. Um, of course, in, in Australia, the idea of trying to beat up China is treated differently from in the United States. You know, in the United States, you've got a lot of people saying, look, the long-term issue between the United States and China is who's going to win out, particularly around 2050, when the Chinese military will be bigger than the American military may even be earlier. They're, all of their deadlines are well... They run ahead of deadlines, so um, you know, it may well be by 2040 the Chinese military will be more powerful than the American. Um, and so in the United States, they see this issue as one of rivalry. Here in Australia, we are not so much concerned with that sort of rivalry as simply wanting to remain on good terms with our number one trading partner, which is China. We do not want to be seen to be offending China. So it's, this is giving all sorts of headaches to the people in Canberra. This is Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. We're talking today about this potential for global trade war um, as fanned by the President of the United States. Donald Trump has um, said that trade war would not be a bad thing. It's always good for business. Um, and he's also, the Australian government um, is lobbying furiously to be exempt from the aluminium and steel tariff that Trump announced earlier last week. Um, now, we talked earlier, Dr Keith, about off-air about these three different trends with regards to trade and economics. Yeah. So the, the way to try to understand this is you've got people who are globalists. And, other, and in the Trump administration, that's his son-in-law, Jared Kushner. It's also um, Jerry Cohen, who's just stood down as his economic advisor. So these are people... Um, who take the view, look, we need to have more international trade. It's, it's what really has fueled the European Union. It's transformed European Union politics. You know, in, in the old days, the French and the Germans were always fighting each other. Now they don't. Why kill those people? They're our customers. So you see how a globalist economic mindset knits economies together and makes the world a, a safer place. Um, so that's one way. That's the globalist point of view. A second point of view is one of economic rationalism, which we've tended to follow in this country uh, since the early 1980s, Margaret Thatcher's point of view in the United Kingdom. In other words, just simply saying, look, leave everything to the market. Don't have grand dreams for yourself. 
The market will determine everything. Just get the government out of the business of trying to uh, affect the economy. Just let the, the businesses run themselves and you rely on what is called the invisible hand of the market to ensure that everybody does benefit from this. And So that's the second trend. So you leave it to the market. Is there an example, though, in today's um, climate of, of a country that is... A rationalist? Oh, well, Australia, New Zealand, United Kingdom. Okay, so we are. We are. In the English-speaking world, we've all went down that path. Right. You go to Scandinavia or Germany, and it's completely different. Um, I teach American students, and I I tell my American students, look, if you who are all way down with the university debt, I say, look, you go to Germany, get an education for free, and it'll be in English. Mm. So that's the old mindset. I'm a product of a free university education as well uh, before the British decided to change the rules and decided to charge for education. So you've got two different ways of organising it. You've got a more old-fashioned style, which is where you did give the stuff away in effect for free because it was done through a high rate of taxation, or you have this sort of rationalist point of view, which is whereby you lower the rate of taxation and say to people, you make your own decision. We assume you're going to act rationally. Um, and so that's the rationalist approach, um, just leaving everything up to the market. Now, of course, you don't do that entirely. You can't you know, leave everything up to the market in terms of environmental regulation. You've got a strict regulation. So it never works out perfectly, but that, that's the ideal that people would like to work towards. Now, first, and let's quickly go back to the globalists as well. Yep. So we've got a really some, an example to work with. Who is an example of a globalist so, economy? Well, the globalist uh, well, economy would be the people who are within the United States who want to have more international trade. Goldman Sachs. And, of course, the guy who's just resigned used to be at Goldman Sachs, right? So the bankers are globalists. Mm. Um, they, they just see the value of being able to move money back and forth across countries. So they're the globalists. Um, and you've got a number of countries that do well out of that, I guess, in a sense, the Swiss, for example, who do the banking for the banks. <laughs> Hide the money. <laughs> <laughs> so they're the globalists. Then you have the economic rationalists, and as I said, that's Australia, New Zealand, etc., the Great Britain. In other words, people are saying, well... All we want to do is to get the government out of running the economy. We want to privatise, corporatise, downsize, get rid of the public service. You sell off the government entities like Qantas and the Commonwealth Bank. Then there's a third point of view, which is becoming more and more important, which is the nationalist point of view. In other words, people are saying, look, we're sick of all these deals um, with, whereby we are allowing in free items into this country, whichever country it is, um, and we want to be able to protect our own industries. And this is what protectionist tariffs are all about. In other words, that you build up a wall of taxes or tariffs, um, which will then keep out cheap foreign imports. Now, a standard example of this is is what we've seen in Australia uh, beginning in the early 1970s. As we reduced the amount of tariffs that we had, in other words, taxes, on imported clothing items. Now, for our older listeners, they will remember a time in the 50s and 60s when there was a very limited range of clothing because it was all made in Australia, but very limited range. Uh, but it kept a lot of Australians employed in the rag trade, as it was called. Um, then beginning with the Whitlam government, although Whitlam really hadn't thought through what he was doing, we started to allow in cheap uh, materials, cheap textiles from Pakistan. Now, of course, it's China. Um, now, the good news is that for those of us, well, all of us who have to buy clothes, it means that the clothes are a lot cheaper if we want to go down that path. Mm. But at the same time, we've destroyed much of the rag trade in this country. So the people who used to work in the rag trade are either unemployed or they've had to be retrained 
to do something else. But you've also got in this um, country with Pauline Hanson, uh, in the United Kingdom with Brexit, um, in the, with the French nationalist movement, uh, Marie Le Pen in France, you, you've got a rise of people who are saying, no, look, let's just try to keep out all of these foreign stuff. We want to focus on our own production and we want to be able to boost our own production. The argument that the globalists would make, and it's one that I'm sympathetic to, is to say, look, simply, that era has gone. If you want to build an iPhone now in the United States, you've still got to import your your components mm. from overseas. Mm. American workers will not be employed, even if Apple bring the money back in, mm. which is what uh, Trump is promising with his tax reform. Even if the money comes back in, they're not going to start building a lot of new factories for Apple because it makes more sense uh, to have the stuff built in India exactly. or China. Exactly. That's what I was about to say. He, he, you know, in his speech beginning of last year, inauguration speech, he talked about bringing the jobs back to America, bringing manufacturing back to America. How do you possibly compete with the cheap prices you pay for people in India or Bangladesh or all these countries, just China, for example, when yep. like, you pay workers double, triple, quadruple the amount, let alone materials in your own country, in America, for example. My way of, of looking at this in a big picture is to say that there is a window of opportunity for every country, potentially, certainly for every industry. And so at one point, Australia um, would have had expertise in clothing. That is now gone. We do make some clothing mm. uh, and, we do, and we do very well out of it, uh, but we're not the mass producers of clothing. That window has closed now for us. So our job is to move on and reshape the economy. So if you look at where we are actually growing, it's in the aged care sector, healthcare sector, services, mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, international education, in other words, bringing students into this country to learn at our universities. That's our third largest export industry. Number one in the case of Victoria. So what you've got to therefore redesign the economy, and I think this is a role for government, redesign the economy and retrain the workers. So instead of promising the workers, as Trump did in his campaign in 2016, saying, vote for me and we will protect your old industries, you've really got to be saying, where are the new industries mm. and how can we protect or how can we guarantee you guys will be able to be educated for all these new opportunities? So what's the economic climate in a country? Because you do see it a lot in Europe at the moment and in also America is, is um, the rise of the nationalists yeah. and the support you know, from grassroots. Um, where does that come from? Is it Islamophobia driven as well as other factors as well as economic factors? There's a certain element of xenophobia, you know, hatred of foreigners, which would include Muslims, but mm. it would also include, if, if you're in the United Kingdom and you look at the Brexit vote, then you've know, got a lot of people who are saying, look, we just want to have, go back to speaking English. Polish is now the second most common language in Britain. Mm. So they're saying, look, just get rid of all these damn foreigners. And, and of course, it was very interesting that the the people who voted for Brexit were the nationalists, whereas the people who voted to remain within the European Union were the globalists. In other words, seeing their destiny within Europe. So what was the story, and what is the story then, with, with America? Where did that xenophobic sort of attitude come from then? Well, it's from the decaying of their industries, right? They've mm. had the warnings for decades about their industries going down, um, but they ignored those warnings, and now they're really coming home to bite. Same with the coal industry. You know, a lot of people are saying there's not much of a future in coal, uh, particularly in the American industry. Um, so you've got people warning, look, we're, we're tied up in certain industries which simply have no future for us, when we can't put the clock back. My worry is, is that we will, with Trump, try to put the clock back, go back to an era of high protection tariffs. In other words, the Americans impose 
some tariffs, and then the Chinese, the European Union, will respond. We have been here before. It occurred in 1930 when two American politicians, uh, Willis Hawley and Reed Smoot, this is Smoot Hawley, Hawley Smoot, they put through a piece of legislation in the United States uh, Congress which would, uh, which in fact imposed these tariffs and is seen as prolonging the Great Depression. Now, in 1932, when America was in chaos, those two guys, one of whom had been in politics for a third of a century, lost re-election. And then, of course, Roosevelt was elected in 1932 and Roosevelt began the long process of reshaping the American economy. And the, the Roosevelt economy ran from 1933 well into the 1970s and gave America that golden period, particularly after the war with Eisenhower and the other presidents. Um, but the, the, a lot of us are saying, look, we're going back to the 1930s, the risk of a trade war. We have a fragile global economy. We cannot uh, run the risk of having these tariffs imposed. So I therefore endorse what Malcolm Turnbull is trying to do in terms of just trying to get Trump not to go down this foolish path because we could end up with severe economic problems at the global level. So let's end on the bottom line. Is a global trade war likely? We just don't know. We hope that sanity will somehow provide in Washington, D.C. But remember, if things don't make sense, then look at the politics. And Trump is up for... He's got candidates running in November. One third of the Senate all of the lower house. He wants those people to win. He thinks he can do that by using this sort of language. But the problem is these things spin out of control and we could end up with real problems for ourselves in during this year. Dr Keith, as always, a pleasure. Global Truths was presented by Dr Keith Souter and me, Kate Mack. Produced by Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.